Freddie for that opening number. Welcome to Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored, with your host, Dr. Ron, and our co-host tonight, Mr. Frank Poliafico, the one and only. So, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you with an attitude of gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude makes you happier, but did you know it can also make you healthier? One reason, ladies and gentlemen, is because a feeling of gratitude makes us see things from a more optimistic point of view. And being optimistic has been shown to lower blood pressure, get a, getting a better night's sleep, and increasing longevity. It also helps us to bounce back faster from stressful situations. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, with an attitude of gratitude, I, I invite you to listen to this program, which is going to be quite exciting tonight with our guest, Fred Balacci and the Restaurant Diet. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical or condition with your physician. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's just been some news today, even before we get Frank in here, that uh, you just have to hear about because it is just absolutely crazy. And uh, I think what uh, our guest has to say tonight is really important. You know, a headline in the New York paper this week read, adults feel perfectly healthy just 12 days a month. Did you get that? 12 days a month. You know, that equals 144 days a year. Or if you do the math, which is not my strong point, but it's 39% of the year, people actually feel good. I think there's something wrong with that picture. I think there's something wrong with that picture. And another study that came out today here in the United States, this was from the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, diabetes mellitus in the United States, fewer than one in three receive lifestyle counseling. That means they get no advice on physical activity, how to eat properly, how to how to have glycemic control of their food intake, and they have no advice on cardiovascular risk management. 
And this survey it got my attention because it, it followed 42, over 42,000 patient visits with diabetes and 272,000 without. So they did have a somewhat of a control group, and this was an NIH study. It was not a pharmaceutical study. So our, you know, we, we've been saying on this program, please take control of your own health. Be the CEO of your own body, okay, because of things like this. Next week, I want to tell you about surgical centers. You think they're so safe? Well, we have some interesting information we've been working on. And we're going to talk about next week about low-salt diet. You know, it's probably not working anyway, and it's, it's, the food tastes horrible. And how about a daily vitamin, ladies and gentlemen? Any good? Or is it just making your urine yellow? You know, this is probably the only country where we have obese people that are malnourished. So I really think multivitamins are helpful. Uh, you know, we get 18% of our calories from sugar, another 18% from white flour. And, you know, there's a lot of losses in, in all the processed food we eat. We're losing almost half of the micronutrients in a modern diet. So, again, you know, we're seeing people that are obese, but they're malnourished at the same time. And this is the first time this happened in human history. Incredible. So what you see in the media and hear from physicians, they're just twisting data. It's essentially propaganda, propaganda against anything that competes with medications and gives people the impression that a healthy diet is important. The media has no problem repeating misinformation, suggesting that multiple vitamins are not effective. When even the studies they are quoting say quite the opposite. For example, a study may show that a specific nutrient or multivitamin does not decrease one condition, but significantly decreases the risk of a heart attack. They'll just, they'll just report the negative part of that study. You know, it's like doing a study. You can, you can predict how the outcome will be. You do a study on the, using penicillin to treat diabetes. You know what the conclusion of that study was? Antibiotics are worthless in diabetics. So that's my two cents for today. I uh, want you to keep track of your uh, your own health. Listen to programs like Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Uh, listen to, uh, you know, uh, Frank Polyofko's uh, Say No to, to Alcohol program. You know, go back in the archives and listen to that. Listen to it on Apple. And with that, uh, let's introduce a uh, uh, co-host for tonight, uh, Mr. Frank Polyofko. How you doing, Frank? Great, Dr. Ron. Nice to be with you again and your, and your listeners. Thank you. It's great having you. And, uh, Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have Fred Balacci, and he wrote two books. Uh, the first one is called The Restaurant Diet. The byline is How to Eat Out Every Night and Still Lose Weight. Uh, Fred is, a, is an attorney. He's an MBA. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. Uh, he, he, he's, a, he's a coach, and we'll expect him to, to call in around 15 minutes after the hour. And, um, you know, his, pro, his 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 outlook and his program uh, got my attention, and, and that's why he's on the program tonight because he's preaching lifestyle, not preaching a diet. Diets fail. You know, if, once you tell somebody they can't have it, they want it. It's like telling your children, "Don't touch that." <laughs> They're going to touch it. So, um, uh, with all, all that's going on in our in this country, and the, the the people are getting sicker and fatter, 
I thought it'd be a good change of uh, pace to have a a chef and an entrepreneur uh, on the show. Although, you know, after talking to Frank again, uh, he's an entrepreneur. You know, he's an inventor. He's an author. He's uh, he has his own business, and you know. It, Frank, you really have done it all. You know, when I think of your life, you really have, have done it all, and you really have helped a lot of people. Uh, what are, you, are you working on anything now? Um, right now, I've been focusing on uh, trying to revitalize my alcohol program because of all the interest we're getting in it. So that, uh, And I know we, we keep telling everybody it's, it's the Just Say No program. Remember, no is spelled K-N-O-W. And I think a lot of the same principles that I use in that program apply to food as well. I, you know, your comments early on, Ron, were right on. Uh, I remember a statistic recently of 60 to 70% of diseases and illnesses treated by doctors and hospitals uh, came through the patient's mouth. Uh, um, yep. You know, the, 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 they, we use the, the, the trite statement and the cliche, you are what you eat. The reality is your health is dependent on your your consumption of of minerals and, and proteins and carbs to some extent. It, it's what we eat that gives us our health. And it's what we eat too much of that gives us our illness and disease. And it, it's really, it is a lifestyle change. And that, that phrase is especially true to me. I, as, as you know, in the, in the past, well, three years ago, I went from 325 pounds to 250 pounds uh, in about eight months. And I've kept it off. It was the first time in my life I've kept weight off uh, because I did, did every diet there was. But what got me on that program was a cardiologist saying to me, don't go on a diet, change your lifestyle. And I had never had anybody right. tell me that before. Uh, and, and when I looked into that, what I was really changing was my culture when it comes to food. We have a, an adverse food culture in this country. And when we looked at the cultural aspects of eating, which, which our guest tonight, uh, Mr. Bellucci, is going to talk about uh, using some of the Italian culture and, and the benefits of, of the Italian culture's eating habits, um, it comes down to changing the culture. And that's difficult. Changing culture is not easy because it's ingrained into it. It's, it's what we believe. It's our value. And we really have to relook at that, uh, that value when it comes to food and eat food for its purpose. First of all, nutrition and, and, and sustenance. And secondly, pleasure. There's no reason in the world you should eat stuff that don't taste good. Uh, food is very pleasurable. And when you can eat the right stuff in the right amount uh, and it's cooked the right way, you're going to have a great time. Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the point of it. It has to be uh, delicious. It has to be pleasing to the senses. And it has to be enjoyed in an atmosphere of friendship. Uh, or and family, and family and friendship has been missing. I see it all the time. I see so many people eating in their cars, uh, eating standing up, uh, just just you know having a getting a hoagie and just eating it on the way out of the hoagie shop. Uh, their there's their lifestyle is completely missing. They weren't brought up that way, and no one has taken the time to say, you know what. You'll eat a lot less if you sit down and chew your food well, rather than and, and enjoy what you're eating. So uh, I, I really do think, and I, I really did enjoy your program of uh, say K N O W to alcohol because I I as you I I could see how that could branch out to uh, other addictions, and and it is a food addiction, wouldn't you say? 
obesity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. People who are morbidly obese or significantly overweight are addicted. And they're addicted to a substance that's totally legal and culturally acceptable. So, so a lot of times, well, it's okay. Everybody's doing look, – look at the television ads. I mean, they wouldn't advertise the way they do all that food and, and, and desserts and, and pastas and, uh, and hamburgers if it wasn't okay. Well, the reality is it is okay, but it's got to be in the right context and, and done culturally appropriate. And part of that culture is not just the, the food, but the context and the environment in which you eat that food. Uh, eating alone is probably one of the most de- uh, difficult, uh, deadliest habits we all have who, who eat too much. Uh, we have to learn how to eat socially. We have to learn how to enjoy life, as you said many times already, and make food part of that. Uh, I go back to a comment I made last week regarding alcohol, and it clearly applies to the food too. Uh, Dr. Geller's study on uh, behavior. Um, that if we're going to change behaviors, there have to be consequences. But the consequences have to be soon positive and certain. Negative consequences do not motivate. It's uh, that's, that's important. That's important enough, Frank, to, to, to repeat that, that sentence because that's really important. Negative there, consequences the, don't motivate. If, if you're going to motivate yourself, you're going to be motivated, and motivation does come ultimately from within. Those, the consequences that you're striving for have to be soon, means they're right away, positive, they're good, they're pleasurable, and they're certain, guaranteed it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I guess if I'm a smoker, I could stop smoking, but there's no guarantee I'm going to stay stopped uh, and that I'm going to get my lungs back immediately or my heart, my vessels back immediately. We have to have things that are soon positive and certain that motivate us or we don't function. We don't do those things. Uh, we, we don't hang around with people we don't like. Um, you know, you and I have been friends for years. We like to associate with our friends. We like to reminisce. Uh, one of your old, your favorite phrases, I love, I use it all the time, is you can't make old friends. We need to be with our friends. We need to enjoy meals with our friends. Um, but the consequences are soon positive and certain. And part of the positive is, is the, not just the pleasure of taste. But the pleasure of endorphins. When we when we enjoy something, we produce endorphins, and it's a natural high. It's a natural narcotic that makes us feel good. Right, and and that that goes really back to what I've been preaching for five years straight now: the gratitude, because that Absolutely. also works with the neurotransmitters: serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. You know, immune function, oxytocin, as I tell everybody, you know, that's a sex hormone. That's a social bonding hormone. You know, so why not uh, get in with this lifestyle uh, development to, to, you know, and get get high on your own? Uh, there was a friend of mine, he wrote a book, How to Be Happy, Healthy, Horny, and High. But his high was from, from the hormones, not from drugs. Uh, it's just from living a good lifestyle. And and when we do that, you're right. We produce the body is, is a wonderful, wonderful organism. It knows what it needs, and it'll produce those hormones. It'll produce those uh, chemicals that make us feel good. I got to share a quick story. Uh, as you know, your your listeners may not, as I'm also a magician, and I really enjoy doing that. And I volunteer a lot in hospitals. And I was recently in the ER where my daughter works as a nurse practitioner. And, of course, being an old ER nurse, and as you, know, you an old ER doc, you know that that's a 
a unique world, and, we, and I love <laughs> to be in it. Well, now when I go into it, I'm there to do magic for the patients while they're waiting for their tests and their consults and, and if they're getting admitted for a bed. And recently I went into a young gal's room. She was you know, in her late 20s, and she had some severe abdominal pain. They didn't know what was wrong. They were going to run some tests, and she had to drink some stuff and wait two hours for the test. And I went in, and she told, shared with me. I told her, I'm a you know, retired nurse. I'm not practicing anymore, and, but I'm going to do some magic for you. And she told me how much pain she was in. So I pulled out a deck of cards, and by the third trick, this lady was laughing so hard. She says, Mr. Frank, I'm not in pain anymore. <laughs> the fun of that experience, wow. the pleasure of the, the endorphins that that magic induced in her took away her pain. That, wow. That's what it means by stealing good. And there are things that we can do ourselves. You don't have to have a silly, silly magician like myself make you feel good. There's things we can do. Uh, and eating is one of them. Eating is one of the, the greatest pleasures of life. So it, it's how do we get, uh, understand how the body works. We need some basic understanding. We don't have to be physicians and, and, and biochemists. We need some basic understanding of the body and then follow the, the lifestyle and the culture that's going to give us maximum pleasure. What we should be doing, we should be doing for pleasure. And so you know what, let me, let, phenomenal let, pleasure. Let me, let me check this phone number. I may have had a wrong phone number. So, Frank, I'll be right back with you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it's all about how do we feel good and lasting, not just, you know, a short-term high, a short-term buzz. It's lasting, feeling good. Yeah, there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be things that happen. They're adverse. Uh, we're going to experience loss of family members, and, and those uh, uh, of us who have gone through that recently know how, how horrible that is. But when you put the Are you there, Frank? Oops, I think I muted everybody. Frank? Yes, I'm here. All right, good. Yeah, the the, uh, studio board went, uh, it did something crazy on me, and I I cut you and me off. Anyway, um, uh, we're waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, we're waiting for Fred Balacci to call in uh, to talk about his, uh, he actually has two books uh, on the restaurant diet. The first one basically is is the program. It's a it's a four step program, uh, and it has a lot of recipes in it. The second book really is what uh, Frank and I have been talking about. It's the lifestyle uh, that he had to uh, attain in order to lose that 150 pounds and to keep it off since 2009, while still being able to uh, go out to eat and and lead what he calls a gourmet lifestyle, la dolce vita. Um, and I was reading the second book, but I uh, this week moved from uh, uh, Starro to Naples and it got lost. But it it seems like the the second book came first. You know, he he uh, he actually did the mental work uh, to to keep the weight off, uh, 
before he wrote, you know, wrote all about the recipe. So he had, he did, he did the work necessary, the exercises, make sure his uh, endocrine system was normal, make sure he didn't have a thyroid problem. Because uh, if your thyroid is underactive, you, you know, you're just going to hit your head up against the wall and uh, you're going to be, you're going to uh, fail. So um, uh, in any case, uh, the second book, it just came out like, uh, this uh, the middle of October, and uh, it really is about the the mental aspect of losing weight. So, and I think that's what that's that's what Frank Polyafco's uh, alcohol program is. It's, it's the mental aspect, and that's why I'm, I'm sure it's going to be able to transfer over to uh, weight loss. Uh, just like I think Fred Balacci, uh, you know, his second book probably was was written first because he had to do the work in order to lose the weight. So uh, I think I do see uh, Mr. Valachi on here. Um, is this is this Fred? Yes. Good evening, Doctor Ron. <laughs> good evening, Fred. We've been talking about you, and uh, I have a co-host tonight. Have had to been burning. Yes. <laughs> uh, my co-host is Frank Polyafico, and uh, uh, we've been talking Pleasure. about. About the you know the, the food addiction that uh, we our listeners during the first fifteen minutes heard about the uh, uh, your gourmet lifestyle and your 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 two books I, I had to thoroughly inform them though I read the first book and the, the four steps and uh, I was reading the second book when I moved from Estero down here to Naples and it got lost in the move but you know I did get through the part and, and Frank and I can relate to it where you know I was raised in South Philadelphia he was raised in Chester and Italian neighborhoods and uh, I, I could relate to that incredibly well That's All right how I grew up in New York South Philly's great too Absolutely so Frank you know uh, instead of uh, uh, Frank and I uh, talking right now why don't you introduce yourself to the to our audience we'll we'll we'll, we'll push your book uh, as, as we get on with the program uh and uh you know i know you're going to be down here in in southern florida where i now this i make this my home in naples uh but why don't you let, tell our audience about your history and you know that you're you're your attorney you're an mba you do trust you you're an entrepreneur you do coaching uh you it looks like you 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 fight you've got you have your act together so tell our audience well, if you would, you. please. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. Thank you both. I uh, grew up in a food-focused family, Italian-American in uh, New York, actually Long Island, and uh, I was privileged to enjoy the very best. Uh, my family had a lot of great cooks. My parents were what you could consider foodies back in the 1970s and 80s when I was growing up and introduced me to many of the best restaurants in the New York area and wherever we traveled to. I mean, we literally planned vacations around a coveted restaurant reservation. So that was just my life. My grandparents, aunts, uncles were all awesome cooks. My mom, my aunt owned a restaurant. So I grew up just enjoying food. I mean, incredible food, more quantity of food than we could possibly need, but I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And, uh, I just learned from what I observed. I uh, eventually became an emotional overeater uh, at age five. When my folks got divorced, I watched my father stand in front of the refrigerator in the middle of the night and basically just eat whatever was there. Even though he was a gourmand and enjoyed good food and knew the best food, he was eating for other reasons, and that's ultimately what I did. So my weight became a problem uh, over the course of uh, 
several decades, I would become the fattest kid in my school by uh, fifth grade. My nickname became Fat Fred. I was subjected to intense bullying and criticism, harassment by my peers. I was physically abused in school. It was a horrible time and ultimately took the opportunity at age 13 when my mom remarried my stepfather was going to retire to Florida to try to lose weight any way I possibly could at age 13 and try to leave Fat Fred behind in New York, hoping that beyond hope I would have a magical new life when I moved to Florida if I managed to lose this weight. So I lost maybe 50 pounds back in uh, 1990. I was 13 and moved to the sunny, beautiful new place and uh, went on my first diet, starved myself for three months, exercised to the point of exhaustion, hated every minute of it, lost the weight, looked great, got lots of compliments, but I moved to the sunny new place and there was no fat Fred anymore, but I was still emotionally insecure and stunted and this, the effects of bullying and having been fat stayed with me for years. So that's the beginning of my story, and ultimately, at age 30, I nearly died from sleep apnea, being 150 pounds overweight and struggling for years. I was faced with the challenge of taking my life back and doing it my way after trying every diet in the world that seemed to fail. I couldn't do them because they just were so unrealistic. Okay, so then, uh, you know, before we get on to your four phases – uh, I, I made the comment before you, you were on that you you had a you probably went through the second book uh, and did all the work before you actually wrote the first book. Is that that's true? I mean, you you know you got your life under control. You realized you were an well, addict. Very, you started meditating and so forth. Absolutely. Well, very very perceptive. I mean, I didn't publish my books myself, so ultimately, if I had the ability to control the publishing process. I would have published the second book first because that really is the story behind the story. I was virtually just a regular guy. I mean, a trust in a state's attorney, uh, an MBA, somebody that was struggling with food addiction and a love of food, but a lack of love for myself and struggled for years just out in the real world, trying every diet there was, spending tens of thousands of dollars on whatever newest fad program, shake, pill, meal plan, whatever there was. I went to two renowned residential weight loss facilities, one in Miami, one in North Carolina. And uh, I was looking for a quick fix like everybody else out there in diet land. And I didn't find that. Ultimately, what I found by trying all these things, reading all these books, wasting all this money and time, and ultimately coming back feeling defeated and like a failure was I was able to refine the process and see what might actually work for me. And that was by not avoiding food. It was by learning to embrace food, to love food, and to give food its proper perspective in my life as a uh, means of nourishment and sustenance, not something that should be feared or avoided. Like most diets teach us, I had to learn to love myself, first like myself enough to want to give myself better and to do better. And that, and that's what we we've been talking about. And Frank has, has a lot of experience in that field, also that uh, you know the emotional part of it, uh, the traumas that you that you have to uh, solve and diagnose and treat before you can really be successful. 
Fred, I will talk more about that. Maybe we can talk about Rosetta, Pennsylvania, if you ever ran across that in your reading and writing. Uh, but it looked to me, I was reading your four phases, and it, uh, it's beginning, opportunity, challenge, and achievement, and that's Boca. So uh, Boca. I guess. That's where I've been living for many years, and I ultimately began the program. I mean, I traveled a lot during the 12 months that I lost 150 pounds, but I really, really cut my teeth, no pun intended, in many of the best restaurants in Boca Raton and Southeast Florida and uh, areas, Palm Beach to Miami. I uh, live part-time now in Sarasota on the West Coast, as well as Palm Beach, where my business is, and you mentioned Naples. I spend a lot of time there. So really, a lot of these restaurants in South Florida, both coasts, have been my favorites for many years. And they, many of them knew me when I was maybe their best customer for the wrong reasons. Uh, I would probably order enough for three people, and I would tip based on that amount. So I had to learn to change their perception and have the audacity to walk into many of my favorite restaurants or new restaurants as somebody who had a history of issues with food and overeating and take back the control and reintroduce myself and make these people, the chefs, the restaurant owners and everything, everybody there want to help me. And ultimately 99% of the restaurants I've gone to over the years have embraced my concept. They've welcomed me. They've been wonderful. And that's really how the whole restaurant diet concept, which we talk about in the first book with recipes from a hundred top restaurants nationwide, like 30 in South Florida, came to fruition and the second book really explores emotional spiritual really the guts of my program which is really learning to look inside love myself and discover myself i liken it to peeling an onion literally i mean a a food analogy it's like you're home cooking and you start peeling the onion and your eyes start to water and it's just like every layer you strip away it's like every layer of fat or excess weight that came off or addictive behaviors or clutches that I use, the security blanket to avoid intimacy and avoid rejection. As these layers came off, I started to see that there was a decent, likable, and even lovable person that was worth saving, that was that had this whole amazing life ahead of me that I never even knew existed. I mean, I ended up doing things over the last 10 years that I never imagined, such as being on the show tonight, lecturing, talking to audiences, coaching dozens of people. I've helped hundreds of people lose thousands of pounds. I mean, I never thought that I would ever want to talk about my life or myself to anybody, even a therapist or a priest. I mean, in in a private confidential setting or a doctor, I mean, it's, uh, it's profound what we're able to do when we look within and we look beyond our fears and our biases, our preconceived notions, what the world tells us just because we're fat, that we're no good or unlovable, unlikable, that there were reasons I was overweight. And some of them were genetic. Some of them were how I was raised and other ones really weren't my fault. I just needed to look within and take back the control and do it in a way that I found doable. And and that's what most diets don't teach you is, to look within, to learn to love yourself, and to give yourself the gift of life. I mean, it's unlike with, say, an alcohol or a drug addiction. Most programs recommend abstinence. Well, on the case of food, you really can't abstain from eating. It's one of the few things you absolutely need in order to live. So 
instead of eating things that are unpalatable or doing some ridiculous regimen, try to lose 20 pounds by Memorial Day to fit into a swimsuit or a wedding dress or whatever your goal is, make it a long-term goal. Make it a commitment to life, to loving yourself, and to improving every area of your life, not just losing weight. And that's what I teach and share with my coaching clients and my audiences and my lectures is that what I've learned can apply far beyond just the weight loss arena that you don't necessarily need to lose weight or be overweight to benefit from what I'm trying to share and help people with that. We all possess this inner spark and divine spirit and all have the potential to be better versions of ourselves. So when dealing with food, make food, make food, your friend, not your enemy, love yourself, love life, take back your life, take back the control and make it a positive experience as opposed to something negative or fear-based or what most diets tell you that uh, you're a failure and you got to get back on the merry-go-round and, and, and give it another spin. Uh, you gain back the weight and, and you're an undisciplined person. This is, this is yeah. not what life and living is about. Well, and that's really well said. And, and, and on this program, we always say be the CEO of your own body, take control of your body. It's up to you. No one else can do it for you. And we that's also true. admit that just like a diabetic, a diabetic, sometimes their sugars go high. It doesn't mean they're, you know, they're, they're out of control and they're going to die, but they got to get back on the horse and, and get things under control exactly. again. And and your, your program really is lifestyle, and that's a, that's it's not a diet; it's a lifestyle change. And uh, if you can accomplish that, uh, you're going to be successful. Right. So, it's, uh, it's learning to appreciate and be thankful and grateful, and it's really it all begins with attitude. I mean, it's it's the energy and the attitude put forth, and uh, whether you have an, a positive or negative attitude really determines the results from the get go. I mean, if you just want to lose 20 pounds on Memorial Day. I mean, I'm sorry, but I won't take on a client that just has that as a goal. I mean, if you want to get really serious and get well and improve every area of your life and go on to reach new heights, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's it's way more than losing weight. I mean, I've learned things about myself and have lived a life that I never could have imagined. And simply losing 150 pounds 10 years ago, my life wasn't suddenly magical. I didn't make the cover of GQ. I didn't make a lot of money. My life was basically pretty dull and boring after I lost all the weight. I mean, I, you know, I expected all this stuff to come to me. I actually had to deal with people that sabotaged or tried to sabotage my weight and question my success and question what I did. But I also had a whole cheering squadron of people that were out there encouraging me to write a book and begging me to help them. And that's ultimately, that's ultimately been my calling. And that's really why I believe I did it, that I could possibly pass pass it on. I mean, that's, that's my goal here is to share the gift that I've been given of a renewed life, a new life. I was going to die at age 30 and here I am 42 now and able to help so many people and hopefully help many, many more. And that's, that's really why I'm here. Well, and, and that's, that's really admirable. And and I, I do applaud you for that. And the, the books are well-written. Uh, before, you know, we have a lot of people uh, have called into this, the program tonight, but before we get to them, and I know a lot of them are going to be uh, uh, want to know 
how do you go out to a restaurant and uh, how do you choose the food and so forth? But before we get to that, I'd like to turn it over to Frank because I'm, I'm sure uh, Frank's in Pennsylvania. I'm in Florida, but I'm sure he has some questions for you. Sure. Absolutely. Well, first, first of all, Fred, I got to commend you what you're doing. I've been a nurse for 52 years. What you're doing is is just as important, in fact, more important than all the nurses and doctors put together. Um, uh, you know, one of the principles you, I, I learned. Oh, uh, and you figured it out. You didn't have to go to school to learn it. Uh, you know, one of the I learned the, more the than I could ever learn in school. Yeah, yeah, and and you're sharing it. Uh, one of the, the basic principles that I think everybody has to grasp before they enter this journey and, 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 com, and commit to this journey is health is not the opposite of disease. We, we, we've been all trained. Dr. Ron and I have been in the treatment industry for so long, we forgot right. something and that we learned is before we got into clinical practice. Health is not the opposite of disease. Health is the goal. And, and if we're healthy, uh, and eating plays such a major role in that, then we have the opportunity to do all the things that we want to accomplish, and we're going to avoid 50% of the diseases that bad diets produce. Bad, and I say right. diets, it's not a diet. side effects. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, we shared before you came on, uh, I do a program, which I talked about last time, on responsible drinking. I call it Just Say No, No is spelled K-N-O-W. A lot of the same principles that you're talking about here. And, and one of those was driven by the head of psychology at Virginia Tech, uh, Dr. Scott Geller, who's written extensively on, on behavioral safety and behavioral psychology. And his, his whole premise is what motivates us to act are consequences. The consequences have to be soon positive and certain. Negative consequences don't motivate. Uh, diets, we, they do tell us to abstain. Abstain from pleasurable eating. That's ridiculous. Right. Uh, so... So what you're saying is just so important uh, to so many people, but it, it literally requires two things, that they're changing the lifestyle that they've lived and ultimately changing the culture that they've either be, become part of or helped create. Um, you know, we, we all share, uh, the three of us share the common culture of, of Italian heritage, which is wonderful, and it was very food-centered. Um, but the reality is if we would have stuck to just that, we'd have done pretty good. We, we got off the, right. the beaten path along the way, and, and food was no longer just for pleasure. It was just for consumption. So, right, food uh, was I, consumption, I, food was pleasure, food was for things like funerals, weddings, I mean, happy, sad, yeah. emotional. People started abusing food. I mean, people I grew up with survived the Depression, my grandparents, and they didn't want anybody to go hungry at their tables. Plus, food was the ultimate expression of love, so it came with a mixed message as well as the guilt. I mean, my grandmother would make something, and I was the biggest eater at the table amongst my cousins and everybody else, and I got all the accolades in a family that was plagued by a lot of unhappiness with divorce and all that other stuff, and that was the one place that I got recognition. So it was like the food was delicious. I got recognition. I sure as heck didn't want to disappoint grandma, so I really... I fell, I, I fell toward hook, line, and sinker, and I had to change all of that. And, and you're, you've done it well, and you're, you're giving us all the, the, the path to follow that is an exciting one. It's not a negative one. It's very, very positive. Absolutely. It's a, it's a beautiful journey, very rewarding, and, I mean, it, it's beyond anything I ever thought it was. 
I mean, the losing the 150 pounds in a year was never my goal. I never sought out, sought to lose X amount of weight in X amount of time, but I started getting my priorities straight, dealt with emotional issues, changed my relationship with food, made it fun, positive, encouraging, and exciting, something that was doable and something that I continue to do to this day. It wasn't about deprivation. It was really about making positive choices. It's like looking at a menu, learning how to eat in your favorite restaurant or cook better at home. It's like 90% of our success is determined the first few minutes you sit down in a restaurant, how you engage your server and the choices you make when ordering, as opposed to ordering everything at once, going in hungry and just rushing to order your meal and rushing through food and, and, and your dinner or lunch or whatever. Take a little time. I know some people are in a hurry, but I've worked with a uh, top chef in New York City, Chef Gabrielle Kreiter. He endorsed both of my books and actually as one of New York's top restaurateurs, he's a Michelin two-star chef, managed to lose 60 pounds doing a lot of the things that I've encouraged him to do, which really are second nature to someone who grew up in Europe. And I spent a lot of time living abroad in Italy and, and traveling through France and other places where two things uh, Chef Gabrielle and I talked about that really define and differentiate between the American culture and, say, the French and Italian cultures, where the food may be a lot richer over there, but there are not a lot of overweight people. And, and, and two main things are, uh, number one, the portions are smaller, and number two, people eat slower. They take more time to enjoy food as a sociable and nourishing part of life as opposed to something you just grab or rush through without making choices, without being conscious of what your body needs, or that you medicate yourself on like people might do with alcohol or drugs or other addictions. And they also, they walk more. I mean, I lived in Italy for a year and I didn't join a gym. I've traveled Italy and France and other places many times. Never joined a gym, didn't make a point of working out. I just really pretty much ate what what seemed right, what I felt like enjoying, what was fresh, seasonal, local, and the food was always incredible. And I just did a lot more walking. People just walk there as just a means of getting around. It's convenient. Plus, the Italians take this thing, the passeggiata, the evening stroll after you eat so you don't go to bed hungry and you go out and you socialize maybe you grab a gelato i mean it's it's a really wonderful way of life and i never gained any weight in italy in fact a few times i've been there i mean uh, i I spent uh, several months there at a time i lost weight every time i was there and it was really eating better foods than 90% of what I eat when I'm back in the States or what I find in restaurants or in markets, everything is so fresh and flavorful. And uh, it was really an eye-opening experience and really was part of the basis for what would become the restaurant diet as far as how I would go about shopping for food, preparing food at home, portion size, freshness, quality, farmer's markets, establishing relationships with uh, your markets, your, your your fish guy, your butcher, your vegetable guy, and doing things that, that were good for your body as opposed to just rushing through or, you know, mass consumption that really American culture is about instant gratification and uh, 
feeding the masses as inexpensively as possible. When I started eating better and making better choices, and I mean, I gave myself the best, but it was really about quality, not quantity, and that's what I teach my clients. And I, I uh, profess in my books that when you improve the quality and decrease the quantity to what's really manageable, the bills actually go down. It's like you have one stuff, one body, one life. Give yourself the best. It's it's like standing at a gas pump. It's just like you put the high test in if you want your car to run better. It's like we have one body. I mean, hopefully I'm going to live to be 80, 90. Who knows what God has in store for me? But it's like the choices I make today will help make a better tomorrow. I want to do something today that my future self, you know, I'm 42 today. Maybe, you know, when I'm 60 or 70 or 80 that I could look back and be grateful for or proud of that I'm not a statistic, that I am still here, that I am doing better. Well, Fred, you're to be commended on your on your on your program because it is practical. And uh, my uh, relatives own restaurants in Sovarato, which is Calabria, and Una uh, Passeggiata a Piedi every night. Uh, it's really Absolutely. great. And if you ever get to that area, I'm going to send you to uh, Gasparino, and you're going to have black pork. It's the only only place in the world. It's incredible. I would I would love to. All right, but let's let, let's get to something practical. All right, and, and I love your cleansing day. Um, uh, my, our our son is a is a neurologist and a chiropractor here in Southwest Florida. Always has been preaching that for a year as part of his lifestyle and cryotherapy and uh, his program yep. is a cleansing day. So, how about just break it down maybe as best you can? I know it's it's not easy because you do have this beginning phase and you do have this. You know different phases and, and challenge, but just break it down. You know, tell our our listeners you have to start someplace. And and I just like I say, I do love this cleansing day. Even if, even if you, I know you bring it in later, but it's even good in the beginning. But let, let, look, how can you summarize your your your, your diet and and just a practical uh, advice for our listeners? If you go to a restaurant, I like what you said. You know, let the waiter, let the owner know you're on a diet. And I think that's great, but I'll let you say it. Put it out there. Let them be your partners. Let them be partners in your success. I feel that the more people that I engage, that I tell it to, that I broadcast it to, they're going to help keep me accountable and help me stay accountable. Like, tell them, like, please, no bread basket. Don't tell me about the 12-layer chocolate cake for dessert, things like that. It's just like restaurants are typically there to sell, but if, like, you tell them what you need, I mean, they're there for you. I mean, you're paying to eat there, and these people are – your your food and your well-being are in their hands. So it's just – you're paying them. You're tipping them. You want them to cater to your needs. I mean, you don't want to be a jerk about it. You want to be pleasant, but you want to be firm, and you want them to help you. And as far as the diet and the cleansing phase, I, I still I'm, – I'm in phase four, which is the maintenance phase now. I mean, I – started in you know, phase one 10 years ago and really felt that after many years of overeating and just doing whatever I wanted, not really, I mean, I really didn't eat junk food, but I just, I overate. I mean, I was an emotional overeater and didn't take care of myself. And I really felt that, I mean, it was just a natural thing. It wasn't like, I mean, I worked with a doctor and a nutritionist and a therapist and eventually a trainer, but this was something that I came up with that I felt would be good for my body was to give myself a day 
to really rest the system and, and cleanse, clean it out after years of abuse. So I would do a lot of things, and I still did it. I actually did it yesterday, now in phase four. But it was really, it's really like a juicing day, juice, things like celery juice or fresh pressed juices, smoothies that are healthy, fruits, vegetables. Try to buy the best, organic, natural, local, seasonal when possible. And if you're going to eat anything, if you get hungry, I mean, I would recommend something on these days like salads, organic greens, fruits, vegetables. I mean, do this one day a week. Drink a lot of water. I advocate water with lemon in the morning, mineral water, things like green tea. I love kombucha. I mean, these products keep coming out, and our culture is fortunately becoming more and more health conscious than it's been in many, many decades. And we're actually, I'm delighted to see we're we're going back towards a more old world mentality and philosophy as far as food that we're looking to local and seasonal and fresh and relationships with local farmers and ranchers and artisans and knowing where your food comes from and treating our bodies with more respect, not eating things with preservatives, processed foods, artificial flavors, sweeteners, and all this junk that we've been feeding ourselves for so long that we're actually maybe, maybe rolling, rolling the stroller backwards and, and uh, revisiting this, coming back to uh, the way we're really meant to be. It's like a Mediterranean diet or an old world diet, but I strongly recommend that for anybody to get and maintain healthy, uh, healthy living, get healthier, that a cleanse day, whether it be one day a week or maybe a couple times or once a month even, is an important thing. I mean, our bodies need to rest. I mean, I advocate exercise, but there's some days that rest may be more important than exercise. Living better, healthier is really about learning balance in all areas. It's not about overdoing the exercise or underdoing the food. It's about really learning what our bodies need, learning to listen to our bodies and make choices that are appropriate for us. And it's a lot of it's a learning curve and and you go back and you see what's working and what's not working and you adjust where necessary. And that's where I really recommend having as many professionals that you can on your team, such as your doctor. I mean, go in before you try to do anything you need a complete physical. I mean, in my case, it had been several years. I mean, I was 150 pounds overweight, according to, you know, most experts. And I wanted to make sure if I started walking or swimming or doing whatever, that I wasn't going to be lying on the side of the road and check things like my cholesterol and my hormones and, and just make sure there were no underlying things that needed to be dealt with either before beginning an exercise or regimen or that involved losing weight or getting myself healthier or that maybe should be dealt with or addressed concurrently. So I always recommend that. And in my case, I work with clients and I'm really the ringleader having been through this experience firsthand and working with people over the past several years and myself to maintain this the last 10 years, what they need to do and questions they need to ask who they might want to employ in addition to me. And I'm, I'm really their coach. I'm their cheerleader. Many people that are trying to lose weight do this alone. They, some people do it in group 
group sessions. There are plenty of groups out there, but a lot of people are embarrassed or fearful or ashamed of their weight and their issues and don't know where to turn or who to talk to. So having somebody who's been there and, and experienced all this, all this shame and, and self-loathing and doubt and all the naysayers and negativity and, and all these crazy deprivation diets and failure and, and, and everything else can offer a lifeline to people. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm privileged to do. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Fred Balaji. His uh, book is The Restaurant Diet. It's um, on Amazon. And I'm sure you can get it other places. It's uh, How to Eat Out Every Night and Still Lose Weight. That's the first book I have in front of me. The second book, which I'm sorry to say I did lose, but uh, talks more about the preparation, the, the journey, the spiritual journey of weight loss and self-discovery. Uh, both published by Mango and uh you know, it's it's something that yeah, it's it, it's work. It's 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 not like you can go out to a restaurant and order whatever you want. Uh, you know, you have to be conscious of what you're eating, uh, enjoy eating, sit down and take your time. We uh, have a kind of conversation earlier tonight about you know people just grabbing a sandwich and running or eating standing up it makes a big difference uh, whether you're sit- standing or sitting. Uh, want to enjoy your meal? It takes it, it's important to chew your food to get those. Enzymes in your exactly. mouth, digesting that food uh, before it gets to your stomach. I, I mean, it's all for a reason. It was all meant to, to be that way. So if you you, right. you you eliminate a step, you're 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 you're, you're, you're again, you're going to fail. Right. So, we weren't um, meant to shove food down or emotionally overeat or eat on the go. I mean, food was food is something that's meant to be enjoyed and savored and appreciated and respected. Exactly. And as I told, told our audience, you know, we have the most obese but malnourished people in the, in the world. I mean, they because they don't know what they're eating and they're eating fast and they're eating junk. Exactly. Uh, and, and what I tell my clients when I was when I was practicing, if you could keep your shopping to the outer aisle of the of the supermarket and don't go up and down the roads, you got a better chance of being healthy. And, and don't walk in hungry. I mean, I often like to shop in the evening after I've had dinner. You know, just buy uh, what I absolutely need for the week to have in the fridge. Exactly. Fred, that's, 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 that's one, of, one of the big social benefits, and you may not have even thought of this, but I, it's, just, it's just ringing in my ears. I heard a news story today about the American College of Pediatrics advocating uh, surgery for obese kids to get them to decide uh, to lose weight. Uh, as a last resort, but it, it sort of glanced over the, the, the news story, as news does, glanced over the issue of, of lifestyle. But the number one impact on a child's eating habits are their parents. And if you know, I don't see kids going doing a restaurant diet, although they eat in a lot of fast food restaurants. We've got to cut that out or cut it back dramatically. But if the parents are eating healthy, the kids are going to eat healthy. And the projection in this news story from the American College of Pediatrics is, that at the current rate, by the year 2035, one out of every two kids under the age of 12 will be obese. That's, That's scary. scary. That is scary. And, and the way you change that is by the parents educating. Well, you don't educate by giving them lectures. You educate by example. Example. And you sh- so, so you the, show people the, how to do it better. Right. I mean, you're doing it for your clients and, and for the public who's who's following your book and your program. 
um, they're in turn doing it for their children. And and what a legacy exactly. you're leaving uh, and cre- no, like creating because like you're not leaving it for a while yet. No, I, I hope to be around a long time, and I hope to continue to coach and teach and inspire a lot of people. But it's like, in my case, I mean, I, I'm not going to blame my family. They didn't know any better. But in my case, it was up to somebody to finally stop this thing. I mean, because it was literally spiraling out of control. I mean, I had a lot of overweight people in my family growing up, but I became the fattest person in my family by a long shot. And I risked dying way before my parents. I mean, I would have been, I would have been dead at maybe age 32 or 35 or whatever. And what would anybody have learned if I hadn't done this? So I have the opportunity to reverse this and to pass this on to other people. I mean, lots of other people out there that have kids that have read my books that are my clients that collectively one by one, we can change the perception. We can change how America and the world eats and looks at food that I don't have kids yet, but if I do have kids, there's going to be a totally different dynamic. There's going to be an enjoyment of food, which of course is what it should be, but we're going to eat healthy and, and, health and fitness and diet, exercise, what we, how we treat our bodies and how we respect our bodies is really a family affair. And in my case, I mean, there was a lot of emotional baggage and nonsense tied up in the food and the divorce and everything else. And I was, I really, I turned to food out of comfort or necessity. I, I used it as a substitute for love or acceptance and, the, the weight became a security blanket or a means of trying to avoid intimacy because I was physically abused in middle school that I didn't want to get close to anybody. I never thought I was lovable or likable and that I was never going to go out and date anybody because of course they would reject me and they would prove that what I quote unquote knew for many years that I was unworthy, unlovable, unlikable, and just no darn good. So it's, really changing so many things, how families deal with food, how families deal with problems, not making kids messengers or part of the family problems, encouraging love and acceptance, not making kids messengers or part of family drama. There's always going to be issues in life and there's always going to be things that people have to deal with to overcome, but it's my diet, my lifestyle, my plan is really about teaching empowerment and choices and being inclusive, realistic, sustainable, and really about a long-term lifestyle based upon self-love and acceptance of ourselves and of each other. And that's really in the case of kids who, I mean, I have two dogs now and it's like, they're not responsible for what they eat. How could they be? they eat what I give them. And it's like in, in, in the case of children, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah, kids can stop and have uh, fast food on the way home from school or whatever, but it's just, what are the parents teaching the kids and what are the schools feeding the kids as well? There's uh, a lot of overweight kids in this country. And there's also a lot of children who are uh, food insecure. So we have, we have some serious problems that really need to be dealt with as a culture. And I'm, I'm proud to work with a lot of kids and lectures uh, lecture about things such as, such as the effects of bullying. And also my message to the bullies is it's easy to 
call out a fat kid. It was like I felt like I wore a scarlet letter that I looked different than everybody else. I was the fattest kid in my school, and I was the only one in a small private school with a uh, messed up divorced family, so to speak. So it was like I always felt different, then I looked different, my outsides matched my insides, and unless I dealt with the insides, and in the case of kids, if unless the parents or caregivers deal with it as a family, family approach, then they don't stand a chance. Kids don't stand a chance, and it, it's a horrible thing. Well, you've laid out a great roadmap, and, and God bless yeah. you for it, sir. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Uh, absolutely. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you look for a quick way to lose weight, you're not going to do it. You've got to put the work in. It is a lifestyle. Uh, if you want to just go on a diet and, and be a yo-yo, well, that that's your choice. But uh, I did it for uh, years. That's not the right. way to go. Not the way to go. And the restaurant diet, that'd be a good place for you to start to, to get uh, Fred's book and and, to, and 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 read it because it, it makes a lot of sense. So, Fred, I'm not going to take up more of your time. We we can talk about this. Uh, uh, oh, we can I, talk for uh, hours. And I'm happy to meet in Naples anytime. It's just down the road. I go there a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm going to text you my phone number so we can you can uh, uh, get a hold of me. And I'm now living at uh, a retirement uh, uh village uh, with a great chef. I actually, uh, I'll tell you who he is when I talk to you privately. He knows of you. And he's been here 15 years and he prepares the meals. And I just have been here a week, but you know, he prepares all the meals for us uh, every day of the week and everything is fresh and prepared and the portions are just right. It's it's just incredible. I I have a list of places you're going to you're going to be in the meantime. So I, but you may not even know it. November 4th, you're going to be in Miami at books and books and you're going to be in uh, Miami and Carl Gables, Florida at books and books, Palm beach, Florida. Uh, let's see where that is. Beach East restaurante. And uh, November 6th, you'll Fourth be at Blue Pro- yeah, down on fifth Avenue, blue Provence, which is a great restaurant in Naples, Florida. Uh, so great one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're a sommelier too, and I think I have I, uh, a good my... friend of mine listening. He gave me some '82 Chateau Latour, so you you know what a good friend I have. That's a good friend. <laughs> but I I will I will get you my number and we'll talk because there's a lot of things that that I agree with. There's some things that I think I'd like to talk to you about in your diet. I'd like to. And, you know, and I always remember the story of Rosetta where the, the, the nourishing wasn't done by food. It was done by people and they nourished right. each other. And then when the young kids couldn't take that anymore and uh, they, you know, they, they went off to the world and started uh, doing things differently than their parents and grandparents. And they, their heart attack rate and stroke uh, was the national average rather than half the national average as it was in Rosetta PA because of the you know, people nourishing each other. But uh, we will, you know, we 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 could really talk for hours on this on this uh, this subject, and and you know, I you took the time. This is really, my life. This is my life. This is how I took my life back. This is how I lived and and changed the relationship with food. And really, you're right. It, it is about my relationship with food. Really, was a mirror of my relationship with myself and with other people. I talk about right. codependency and low self-esteem and putting others first and stuffing down those feelings of inadequacy for years. So it's all about turning that around and, and putting yourself first and giving yourself the best is 
what my lifestyle program is all about. Well, I want to thank you again, and as does Frank and uh, our listeners. Uh, I mean, the, 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 you, you sort of answered most of what the, the chat room has been asking for, but you know, everybody's looking for that quick fix. Fix. You know, they see restaurant diet. Well, I, I'm going to go out and eat at restaurants and lose weight. Ain't going to happen, right? Well, you can go out to eat in restaurants, but just like with anything, it's all about choices and it's about learning what's what works for your body and about self love. It's not a quick fix. It's not a license to eat whatever you want or drink whatever you want. It's about learning to appreciate. I discovered that as opposed to eating whatever I wanted and maybe living a few short, unhappy, overweight years, that I could make choices. I don't have to eat everything on the menu today. I don't have to stuff myself or feel uncomfortable or ashamed or guilty or whatever else and deprive myself of living. I could eat and enjoy great food for many, many, many more years, which is, which is what I'm doing now. So I, I welcome the opportunity to help coach and share my story with many, many more people and change the way our collective culture looks at food and weight loss and quote unquote dieting and make, make this a healthier nation pass along positive things to another generation so that we can turn the tide on a lot of these things like childhood obesity and all the diseases that are so preventable that are related to being overweight. Absolutely. And we, I had on the program uh, a physician who wrote a book called diabetes is optional based on the same thing. You know, it's, you know, type two diabetes is optional. Diabetic. Yeah. I was pre-diabetic. I had sleep apnea. I nearly died from it. I didn't take it seriously. And it's, that was all reversible at my, at my stage in the game. And uh, for many people, it is. I've worked with clients that were pre-diabetic or had high blood sugar numbers. And between working with me and their doctor and uh, maybe a, a personal trainer, getting uh, making exercise a little more enjoyable, getting the motivation, they – they turned things around. They improved their blood test results. They lost weight. They got happier and healthier. They dealt with their stuff. And there's no looking back. Excellent. Frank, any last words for uh, Fred before we uh, wrap it up? No, I, uh, I really, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, his, his story. Uh, he could have been telling the fat Frank story, but uh, I'm glad he's <laughs> <had> Fred tonight. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much. And uh, again, uh, God bless you for what you're doing, sir. Well, thank, thank you, Frank. I really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you in Naples. I just wanted to reach out to the audience. If uh, anybody wants to get in touch with me uh, for coaching or follow me on social media, it's www.fredbalacci, my name, B-O-L-L-A-C-I enterprises.com. Follow me on social, Instagram, Facebook, Fred Balacci Enterprises. And I want to be your go-to guy to help you change your life, lose the weight, and discover a new and authentic you. Fred, I can't let you go because of what you just said. (laughs) The the attorney's up in Tampa. We want to be your lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Anyway, thank you so much. We'll, we'll, we will talk and we will do this again. And uh, I have some plans between you and Frank because Frank is a great coach himself. He has great programs. So uh, maybe we can get together and do something uh, jointly. 
I'm very excited to. I'd love to see you in Florida, and, and uh, welcome to the neighborhood. Naples is an amazing place. Lots of good food. Thank you. And, uh, Love to see you, definitely. Thank you. Bob. All right, love it. So, thank you so much. All right. Well, come on, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Fred Balaji, uh, interviewed by myself, Dr. Ron, and, and Frank Poliafko. Uh, just a great book to to enjoy the restaurant diet. Uh, and uh, what can I say? Uh, it was a good show. I, I, I learned a lot from his book. I, I, to hear him, you can hear his passion. And it is a lifestyle. It's not an overnight fix. And I, I, I want to get that point through to you really well. And uh, before we leave, I want to tell you about a young couple who moved into a new neighborhood. And while they were eating breakfast, uh, the young woman saw her neighbor hanging at her wash outside. Remember when they used to do that? And she said, that laundry isn't very clean. She doesn't know how to wash it correctly. Maybe she needs better laundry soap. Her husband didn't say anything at that point. And every time her neighbor would hang out her clothes to dry, the young woman would make the same comments. About a month later, got to her surprise, she sees nice, clean wash on the line and said to her husband, look, she finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who, who taught her this. And her husband said, well, look, let me tell you. I got up this morning and I cleaned our windows. And so it is with life, ladies and gentlemen. What we see when watching others depends on the purity of the window we look through. So it's not always what you see. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Frank. Uh, God bless you. And thanks for uh, being a co-host tonight. It was really enjoyable. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, what can I say? I hope you learned something. This is a little different than just purely medical, but it is medical because it, it has to do with longevity, anti-aging, and everything else. If uh, you want to live long, you can't do it being obese and malnourished. So with that, I'll see you next week. Have a great week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored with your host, Dr. Ron. We are here each and every week. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. We bring you medical news that you can use. Medical news that's up to date on drug reactions and interpretation of medical articles. We also have some great guests scheduled. So thank you again. Have a great week. Listen to us on Apple, Alexa iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Ciao.